Hi, I'm Haiga, your host for Short Story Saturdays on A Writer's Life. I'm recording on the traditional, ancestral, and unceded territory of the Squamish Nation. Welcome, listeners, to another episode of Short Story Saturday. I'm thrilled to have Montana Rogers as my guest to Short Story Saturday. Montana Rogers is a writer and educator. She received her undergraduate degree in creative writing and literature from Wheaton College in Massachusetts, USA. After graduation, she was awarded a Fulbright grant to teach English in Bulgaria and spent two years working and living in a small city in the Black Mountains. She graduated from Simon Fraser University's The Writer's Studio in 2019 and began publishing her work that same year. Her short stories and flash fiction have appeared in The Sea Letter, Dream Noir, Reflex Fiction, Verity L.A., and other journals. Currently, she is querying her first novel and at work on her second. Welcome, Montana. Thank you. <laughs> I'm going to ask you one question, a question I ask all my guests on Short Story Saturdays. Can you remember your first day of school? And what was that experience like for you? I was homeschooled in first and second grade. There's not one specific day that stands out in my mind, you know, when I started first grade. But I, I remember really enjoying that time in my life and learning a lot, a lot of hands-on experiences. Montana's short story is titled, Stepping Stones. The sky is a smoky orange, pale, cloudless, or so full of clouds I cannot see the sky. I stand on a small stone bridge staring out across the dark sea. A small island covered in leafy green trees rises out of the water, inviting. I could make it. I could swim there, I think, ignoring the corpses floating face down, rocked to and fro by the gentle waves. I look down just under the bridge at a man who can't be much older than me. He is athletic, muscled, muscled arms, big feet. Big feet are good for swimming, my father would say if he were here. A small school of silver fish darts for the man's face, but flits away in a synchronized dance at the last possible moment. The heat of the stones of the bridge seeps up through my shoes, but my skin flares with goose flesh. I take a deep breath and smell nothing. The air is heavy and I have to make a conscious effort to stand straight. I turn around and face the city, or what was once a city. Buildings with peeling paint, crumbling chimneys, cracked facades, and crooked green shutters spread in all directions. I see the spires of a church several blocks, alleys, streets away. I rub at my ears. There is no noise. There are no voices. There is no sound. I take a few steps down the bridge and wait, hoping to see someone, anyone. To my right, a large building without walls, but with rows of stalls, stands empty. This close to the sea, I imagine it was once a bustling fish market. To the left, an empty dock without a boat in sight. A sign reads, daily boat rides, 9 a.m., 11 a.m., and 3 p.m. I wonder where the boats have gone, what the tours were like, where the tour guides took their eager travelers. There is nothing for me here. I walk in the direction of the church. 
In times of uncertainty, people like to congregate in places where they feel safe. I remember reading that somewhere. As I walk, I pass by shop windows stuffed with hand-stitched leather purses in bright colors and jewelry cases still crammed with diamonds. In other stores, clothes hang limply from expressionless dummies. I pause at an ice cream shop. I press my nose against the glass. Do they have peanut butter chocolate fudge swirl with caramel-filled pretzel pieces? It's my favorite. The case of ice cream in the window is full of cylindrical tubs of melted color. Green and blue globules of fuzz sprout here and there, and I am happy I can smell nothing. I don't have money for ice cream anyway. I pass restaurant after restaurant, their specials boards still proudly propped on the sidewalks out front, steak for two, BOGO happy hour. They advertise specials from a different season from before, summer squash soup and sourdough bread bowl. I look up, checking the position of the church. Its steeple hovers beyond just a little further. I step around a corner and stubble. My screen bounces down the small street, and I glance down. I am ankle-deep in a dark puddle. I look up the street. No, it's not a puddle. It is a pool of water, ice cold. I yank my foot back and shake it. The puddle ripples, the surface calming, stilling until it is black, glass. Should I turn around? But I know the way I've come, and there's nothing for me there. The toes of my wet foot burn with cold. I stand on the edge of the water and swear I see it inch towards me, a millimeter, then another. A few meters down the street, I notice a wooden plank held in place by strategically placed metal supports that disappear below the surface. The wooden plank connects to another, then another. They zigzag down the narrow street and turn a corner in the direction of the church. I can make it. I take a few steps back and run, leaping towards the wooden path. I land, my arms swinging wildly as I find my balance before I continue on my way. The wood beneath my feet creaks, and I imagine the city flooding, the inhabitants laying these pathways all over the streets. I turn the corner at the end of the street. I keep my head down, not wanting to trip or step off the path into the water. Reflected in the water, I see a clothesline full of white t-shirts, little onesies, and an apron above my head. I pause, looking up, half expecting, hoping to see a woman at the window pulling the clothes in, but the window is dark. I walk for what seems like hours, but I know it's only minutes or maybe even seconds. Ahead of me, I see the street's end, and moments later, I stand on the wooden plank path at the edge of a large square. Wrought iron cafe tables and chairs lay half submerged in the water. The church is on the other side of the square. Continuing on the wood plank path that leads right up to the steps of the church, I step into the openness of the square. Something shimmers in the water and I glance down. Images rise to the surface. A man kicks a soccer ball to a small boy who charges it and kicks it back. Another boy runs up and joins their game. I look up, around, wondering where these people are now. I take another step and another image appears in the water. A woman dressed in a waiter's black pants and white shirt with a tie stands at a small table on a crowded terrace, scribbling on a notepad as another woman in a wide-brimmed hat gestures to the menu in front of her. Another step. Two twenty-somethings pass a cigarette back and forth as they lounge on a bench near a fountain. Two more steps. A woman in leisure wear with a baby strapped to her back walks purposefully down a street, plastic bags of groceries in either hand. Step. A man with white hair and a cane walks slowly up a street 
as a magenta motorbike zooms past him in the opposite direction. Step, step. A grandmother in a floral dress and blue apron stands in a doorway, waving to a young woman who slips her arm into the offered elbow of a tall man in a blue sports coat. Step, step, step. The image of a group of tourists swirls to the surface. A tour guide with a sign held high over his head gestures to the church and cameras point to it, flashing. I pull my eyes away and run up the stairs, coming to a stop in front of the doors, breathing heavily. I was here once before as a child. Back then, pigeons roosted in the eaves, but there is no ruffle of feathers, no soft cuckooing now. I stare at the door. It depicts angels and prophets, but the metal which once used to shine is dull, and the heads of the angels are cast down as if they can't stand to watch what has happened is happening before them. My eyes fall to the large handles of the doors. They are locked, a black padlock firmly holding a sneaking chain in place. I bang on the door. Please. There is no answer. I whirl around and stare out across the black glass lake that was once the city's main square. I retrace my steps. The surface of the water shifts again and again. Don't look down. Don't look down. I don't want to see any more of this square's memories. I find my way back to the sea. Across the sea, I swear I see the trees on the island swaying, and maybe that little brown speck by the shore is a boat. I will not cry, but I feel my eyes warming. I want to live, and I know I can't swim that far. I pull my hair and stamp my foot. The stone beneath my foot wobbles. I bend down and dig my nails under it until I pull it free. I hoist it in both hands and wish there was someone to help me. I sidle over to the steps that lead down to the sea and stand a moment watching the water lap at the walls of the city. A body, arms flung wide, hair floating, and a dark halo around the head moves closer to me. I crouch and place the stone on the corpse's back. I return to the wharf and dig another stone up. I carry it back and gingerly step onto the first stone. I'm sure it would be disrespectful to step directly on the bodies. The body beneath me sways but remains on the surface of the water. I don't question it. I bend down and place the second stone on the body's head. I crouch down and take hold of the shoe of another body. Its clothes drag through the water, but I manage to position it ahead of the first body. I return to the city and dig up another stone. Back and forth, position a body, dig up a stone, place the stone, and position the next body. Time passes. I do not hunger. I am not thirsty. The light never changes. As I disassemble the empty city behind me, I imagine what the island before me holds.